Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for the GNFCC 400 Insider. Connect, build, and grow with the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce. Hello and welcome to the GNFCC 400 Insider, the monthly radio show and podcast presented by the Greater North Fulton Chamber. I'm Callie Boatwright, President and CEO of the Greater North Fulton Chamber. And today we will be honoring our 2019 GNFCC Small Business and Nonprofit Award winners. The Chamber honored the many great businesses and nonprofits that make North Fulton such a great place to live and work at our August Awards Luncheon. I'm excited to introduce our winners and our guests, Dr. Stephen Palmer at the Cottage School, Nonprofit Leader of the, of the Year. Stephen, good to have you here with us. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And Brian Martin from Righteous Guitars, our Small Business Person of the Year. Brian, welcome. Thank you, Callie. We have several questions for our panelists today, and I know we want to save plenty of time to hear from them. So let's get started. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, we want to know a little about your background. We know that you're award-winning um, in both of your current fields, and we'll talk a little bit about your current organizations later. But maybe a little bit about your background and what has led you on the career path that puts you in the place you are today. Um, Dr. Palmer, why don't we start with you? Okay. Thank you. Uh, my journey began uh, many years ago, say back in the 90s, uh, as an educator. I've always been in education. And uh, as all educators go in the field, they want to make a difference and uh, be a positive influence and impact on students' lives. So I started off as, as a teacher, and uh, I was doing something unique, and I really didn't know what I was doing, but I know I was doing something well when you had kids that uh, uh, wanted to be in your classroom. They didn't have to but they wanted to, uh, and they enjoyed the atmosphere. So I was kind of on the cutting edge at the time of uh, what we call brain-based learning. We used a lot of different uh, methodologies that, that we use nowadays from um, Jim Nick Balls in classrooms to uh, a lot of experiential learning hands-on. So I started getting a lot of attention and started uh, receiving awards based upon teaching. Uh, I was Disney's uh, finalist as Teacher of the Year, I was teacher of the year. I was finalist for the for the county. So uh, from there, uh, they decided that since I'm doing so well in a room, let's uh, make it a little broader. So they moved me into administration. I worked my way through, and uh, uh, through that, uh, master's degree and uh, my doctorate is in uh, educational uh, background with with special ed students and administration. So I worked my way from uh, Florida to. Uh, a big place in Michigan, lots of snow, and there's a big story behind that one. But uh, I had an opportunity to work for the DeVos family. Uh, as an educator, I got to develop a school from a dream uh, that uh, Dick and Betsy DeVos had, and uh, it was it's a phenomenal uh, educational program. I developed a, a school for them in aviation. They have a background in aviation for underprivileged children, and it's a thriving school as, as we speak now in the Grand Rapids Airport. Uh, originally from the South, families from uh, the area, Georgia and Florida. So I had to come home and I uh, was glad to come back home and um, had the opportunity five years ago to take over uh, the cottage school after the, uh, the founders of the school uh, retired. So that's what brings me here today. Very exciting. And we're glad that you chose to came, come back to Georgia. I'm sure it had nothing to do with the snow. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. <laughs> we'll just, we'll go with that. Um, and how about you, Brian? You've got a very varied background. Tell us a little bit about your past and, and what led you to this career path. Okay. Um, in high school, I was uh, a very good golfer and also was very musical. So I decided, you know, I was either going to 
follow golf or follow music, and I got a uh, vocal scholarship to a school in Nashville called Belmont University. So I, that kind of made the decision for me. Um, then I worked at a golf course there, Belmont Country Club, and I guess after about a year, year and a half, I looked around and realized there were no music people that were members at Bellamy Country Club. So I thought, well, maybe maybe my dream of music might not be the right thing to do. So I um, switched to business. And um, so anyway, I, everything comes full circle, I guess. So now I'm back in the music business, owning one of the coolest guitar stores on the planet. And uh, and I also co-own a golf course. So um, so here you are, yeah, back where you began. back. Right, right where yeah, you started. all over again, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you both have got so many tremendous accomplishments and are very successful in your respective fields. So I have to ask you, what do you feel is your greatest career accomplishment to date and why? And I'm going to start with you, Brian. We're going to pick on you this time. Let me know a little bit about your greatest career accomplishment. Okay. Um, my previous company, we had a, it was called Nanoventions, and we had it in our vision statement that uh, we wanted to have our products or a product of ours in virtually every household on the planet. Well, as we were meeting with venture capital companies and financial people, they all laughed at that and told us how crazy that goal was. But um, a few years later, our technology is, uh, and it still is, on every HP toner cartridge box all over the world. It's in uh, uh, around 100 banknotes or pieces of currency around the world. It's in 30-some countries. And, um, so, and, and on Cialis boxes, but it's also, um, so I think we kind of met that. I think with all those things, it's pretty close to being in virtually every household on the planet. So that's pretty amazing. So I know, um, and I've heard the story when I came to the area that, um, that company had something to do with the, the metallics, my words, obviously the, the strip on, um, the hundred dollar bill, oh, the, blue, as you, the blue thread, right. the blue thread. Mm -hmm. And so your company created that blue thread. Yeah. It was invented in Roswell and it's still made in Alpharetta, believe it or not. That's amazing. I mean, that's something that obviously you could probably win prizes for who knows the, the, you know, least about you. That's pretty amazing. Probably not many people well, know we that. Really didn't advertise it. As right. you can imagine, there are a lot of people, you know, I'm not involved, haven't been involved in for about 10 years now, but. Yeah, there was, um, I mean, it was revolutionary. It changed the anti-counterfeiting world. That's amazing. And completely off of the golf and music industry. So obviously detour. a varied, right, a yeah. little bit of a detour there. Absolutely. Well, how about you, Dr. Palmer? I mean, you've done a lot of different things. You mentioned some of the things with Disney and the awards that you've received. But what would you consider your greatest accomplishment to date? Well, my grace, I'd have to say, is something I experience daily. Um, the reason why I say that, I guess a great analogy would be a college professor uh, comes into his class and wants to perform an experiment. And he says to him, what I'd like to do is have all my A students stand up. All the A students stand. He says, okay, thank you. Sit down. Now, all my C students, I want you to stand. And they reluctantly stand. And he goes, okay, all my A students, I want you to turn around and look at your future bosses. And I use that analogy to say I'm, I am the fighter for underdogs. I uh, work for children. So my greatest accomplishment is getting to see children who struggle. Uh, they might not be straight A students, but they're bright, exceedingly bright, and they're just not in the right learning environment. So all my life has been an accomplishment of watching kids succeed. Your entrepreneurs, those are the, the brightest people out there. Those who, uh, 
uh, you know, have a difference. And I always say, use your disadvantage as your advantage because they're going to, from Richard Branson, Henry Winkler, the list goes on, Edison. Uh, so I have a great accomplishment every day because I get to watch every child that comes through uh, my school and my schools previously uh, achieve their dreams. So that's, uh, that's me as an educator. Well, let's continue down that, down that road. Um, Full disclosure. I wasn't a straight A student. <laughs> I, that's hard to believe. <laughs> Andy's an entrepreneur, yes, so you've already is. paid him a, a very big compliment. So that's great. All right. Well, let's focus a little bit more on what you do now, Dr. Palmer, with the Cottage School. Um, obviously, we're proud to celebrate and support the nonprofit leaders um, in our community, and they are so great and dedicated to the service and welfare of others, as you've mentioned, you are with the Cottage School. Um, the Nonprofit Leader of the Year Award was created to honor the individual for extraordinary contributions on behalf of their organization. So I want you to tell us a little bit about the Cottage School and obviously your time there and what you think makes the Cottage School so unique. Well, first of all, knowing that uh, in the North Georgia area, uh, we are one of the largest non-for-profits in the state. <clears throat> so, excuse me, it's a, an honor to be nominated as a non-for-profit leader of the year, but even more to uh, receive that award. So I'm very thankful uh, to the chamber for that opportunity to represent uh, the Cottage School. The Cottage School is a very unique school. As most schools, you go to school to learn, and you're going to learn your reading, writing, math. But the Cottage School is very unique because we focus on those issues that students struggle with. And an example now, what I've seen a lot lately in the past five plus years is anxiety. So I have a lot of bright kids. They just uh, have a lot of anxiety, whether it be because of social media, bullying, whether it be because of large class sizes. So our unique model, plus our classes are very, very small. They're all under 10. We also look at the skills that uh, we need to survive and be successful in life, our executive functioning skills, being structured, being organized, uh, being able to use that short-term, long-term memory. Uh, so we work on those strengths and tools to help them. Uh, strengthen those skills that they need, and also a broad spectrum of learning differences. Most people will say SLD, which stands for Specific Learning Disability. I said it doesn't stand for that. SLD stands for Smart Kids Learn Differently. So if you're a smart kid, you learn differently, then we're going to teach you differently. So the Cottage School addresses more than those three, but those are three areas that we focus on, and the learning styles uh, come uh, that are broad. Now, what uh, the caveat, which makes it a wonderful cottage school model, is they come to school to go to work. And when I say that, I hire them. So if Billy's coming to school, I say, Billy, and, and we're fourth through 12th grade. Uh, I had the opportunity to add the elementary uh, back two years ago. And uh, it started back in 1985. Uh, the school with husband and wife, Jackie and Joe DeJeso, founded the school. Uh, they added middle school uh, around 94. And what's unique is if Billy's coming to school, he works for me. If he's running late, he calls me and lets me know he can't make it to work or if he's running late to work. And the program's based upon an incentive to where they're going to go to class, like a regular high school, the regular coursework, the rigors in the morning, but they're going to get paid. And the way they get paid is performing, I call them, professional skills. Uh, we at the cottage school, which I pride ourselves on, uh, is that we're going to not teach you how to read, write, and, and do math. We're also going to teach you those life skills you're going to need, and I call them professional skills. So in each class, as, as you go to class, you have to perform five skills to get paid. One would be on time. The other is appropriately dressed. Third is have your materials. 
How did you act in class? Did you work courteously with those students around you? And the fifth and final thing is, did you get the job done? If you complete the task, if you do those, you're going to get paid $8. Now you'll go through the day, um, first through fifth period, have lunch, there's a break. And then we have a unique model in the afternoon where we have electives. Like schools have electives, but our electives are from mountain biking, rock wall climbing. We own a, a equestrian therapeutic course back farm. So we also look at some of the uh, careers out there that students can take from culinary arts to, to auto mechanics. So the electives are in the afternoon. They go back to their homeroom at the end of the day. They have a checkbook. They have a planner. Everything's laid out for them for two weeks. I contracted them. I hired them for two weeks. So they make a deposit in their bank account. They'll do that Monday through Thursday. Friday morning comes. They do the same as they would hit their homeroom, get prepared. The homeroom, I call it like their supervisor, their boss, their mentor. They prepare them for the day, but they also see them at the end of the day to get them organized for the next day. So Friday is very unique because what happens on Friday is they go to the homeroom and then they go to a business meeting. So in this business meeting, they have an opportunity to do exactly one goal I have for them. Every child that comes through my school, I say, I want one one thing that I need you to do for me, and I, I hope that you'll achieve this, which they do, is they learn to find their voice. They learn to advocate for themselves. Because as we know in the big world out here, you, you got to be able to stand up for yourself and speak for yourself because no one else is going to do that for you. So in this business meeting, they have an opportunity to promote themselves, speak for themselves. So their levels, just like if I worked for Home Depot or the Atlanta Braves, their levels. And E is entry level. You're getting paid minimum wage. You're being trained. Then the next level is one. You don't need to be trained anymore. You're getting paid a little more, and you know your job. Level two, you're a supervisor. Uh, you're a manager. And level three, I call it that's the big dog. You're, you're the CEO. Uh, with those levels comes higher pay and also uh, other privileges. The unique thing about it is that they get to uh, try to promote themselves. And they say, for example, hi, I'm Dr. Steve. I would like to move up to level three. The feedback is phenomenal because it's so rewarding to see other kids support other kids. And you give the reason why you feel you should be promoted. And the feedback comes from this business meeting of all the students and all the teachers in there. And uh, what, what makes that a, a blessing is because our teachers are phenomenal, and those teachers are always there supporting them. And that, that is the, definitely the key to the program. But after they get promoted is when they get to spend their check. So for two weeks I hired them, uh, they get a paycheck, and they have three choices to spend the check on. One is to go off campus. So every two weeks we have a trip planned, whether it be Stone Mountain for the day, World of Coke, the zoo, the aquarium. So we have something for them to go to. Some of them say, I've been to the zoo a hundred times, I'd rather stay on campus. So we do on-campus activities, whether it be uh, field day, Olympic events, uh, we bring in a, uh, like a, a e-sports company to teach them how to code and program and do some video game competitions. Uh, so they have two options, to go, one to go off and one to stay on. The third and final is you come to school to learn. So if you missed work, you need to make it up. So they pay to go to academics. So once they make their work up and they can join their friends on campus, Monday morning, they start with a zero in their bank account, and I hire them over again for two more weeks. And that's a little about the life of the cottage school. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not agree. sure what else to say there. That's amazing. How many students do you have there at the cottage school? Currently 260. When I arrived, uh, about 155. But we're, we've grown, and uh, I'm very blessed to have, have a great number of students in was well, that curriculum in place before you got there? It has been, with the, uh, but as time has changed, we got to tweak it. So um, you, you add 
other trips. Uh, you know, this year we added zip lining. Uh, mm-hmm. We also added the Delta Museum. So with the environment, I know before that uh, the founders uh, came to the school, they had a small center in Roswell, but you didn't have the 23 beautiful acres that we're on now. So with mountain bike trails and having a, uh, an equestrian horse farm to be able to use makes the program uh, even better each year. I'm impressed, Dr. Palmer, um, about the Cottage School and about what you've done to change it in the time, very short time, actually, that you've been there. But I just find it amazing that the model is very much business-oriented. Mm-hmm. So as a chamber president, uh-huh. I get excited to hear that not only are those kids learning the things they need to learn, but you're preparing them for employment. And our goal is that uh, all students could go to college. And they, yeah. they have the same high school diplomas equivalent to any other high school. But we also want to let them know that you don't have to go straight off to college. There are careers out there. There are areas that they can go uh, jump right into a job. Absolutely. And kind of prepare them for life, too. That's right. right. Exactly. Yeah, just life skills. That's phenomenal. I'm very excited. Thank you for being here and sharing that with us. Brian, on to you. Let's talk a little bit about your award as Small Business Person of the Year. It was created to honor leaders who display a vast knowledge and expertise in their industry and have a commitment to economic prosperity, quality of life, and a positive reputation in North Fulton. Um, you have, as you've said, one of the most amazing stores, um, honestly, that I've ever seen. Uh, when I walked into the guitar store, I thought, oh my gosh, and I'm not even into guitars, but you can't help but just be completely overwhelmed by the quality, the beauty, um, the way the store set up. Um, so tell me a little bit about your business success and what makes it so unique. Okay. Um, by the way, I wanted, I wanted when you walked in the door and you saw what you see, I want you to hear the angel singing. So we, we actually hear that from a lot of people. Oh, good. So that all yeah. oh, was not, yeah, okay, right. good. I feel right. better that now. Was natural. Um, I would say one of you know one of the things I think is the most important about me is that I'll admit and I know what I don't know. So and I know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And I'm, some of the things I'm good at are you know I'm, I always said I was the glue that holds the organization together and the adult supervision. So, um, but I also realize that I, I don't feel like anything great can be accomplished by yourself. You have to have a team to do it. So. Um, um, and oftentimes I'll get on the outside of my business, whatever that business is, and act like I'm a customer walking in for the first time because you just see things that you don't see when you're, when you're behind the counter every day, I guess I would say. Um, I was driving down Johnson Ferry Road yesterday, and there was a, a really nice monument sign in the median, and the sign was very impressive. But the grass around the sign was three and a half or four feet tall. Well, that tells me that business isn't taking care of their business. You know, even though maybe it was great, maybe it wasn't. But my impression was it was kind of sloppy. So that's some of the, when I say kind of disengage from the daily routine, you just walk, you know, go like you're the first time there. And, and I would have seen that, you know, or light bulbs out or, you know, all those little things that make you look not as good as you could. Um, a couple of things. I'm, I'm, whenever I start a company, I'm always, I say you watch the pennies and the dollars take care of themselves. One of my other saying is you may not know that there's juice in a penny if you squeeze it hard enough, you know, because we, we really do um, pinch the pennies. And I think that's important when you're starting, um, starting a company. Culture is so important. I always say culture, culture, culture. In the guitar business, 
I understood business and I understood being a guitar customer, but I didn't understand selling guitars. Um, there was a fellow that I worked with uh, who worked at a guitar center and he treated me as a customer the way I thought customers should be treated. There was nobody else. In, I mean, I, I had about 250 guitars in my collection that I had bought from all over the United States. And only one person of all the people that I dealt with treated me as a customer like I thought customers should be treated. So as I, we, we developed this relationship uh, over the course of about five years, um, I would say, hey, you want to start a store? He'd say no, and then he'd ask me, and I'd say no. And finally, at the end of 2014, we both said yes at the same time. So we spent 2015 building out the store. That that guy's name is Ben Calhoun. He's the VPGM of the store now. He's he's he is he and I set the culture. I'll go back to the culture point. You know, the culture from my perspective is as a customer. From his perspective is as a someone selling guitars, but the right way. So I think when you marry those two things, it's it's come to be pretty magical. Um, and then our, our culture is we view customers as relationships, not transactions. So we'll do things that in a vacuum might make absolutely no sense to someone who is looking at what we do. You know, in a given moment, that's a total loser. Like if someone wants us to pick them up from the airport, we'll pick them up from the airport. They may not buy anything, but we're, we're building that relationship, and I feel like over time it'll pay off. But that's not the way this industry looks at things for the most part. It's very, I'm not going to do this unless you're going to do that. I'm not going to let you play this guitar unless I'm pretty confident you're going to buy it. That's not, that's not how we are. If you want to come in, and we, there, there are young people that come in that we know can't afford you know, a four or $5,000 guitar. They tell us that. But I believe someday they will. Someday they're, you know, maybe they're going to get a great education at the cottage school. They're going to go out and be successful business people and, come back and buy a lot of guitars but we've planted that seed and we look at it uh, of course of a relationship um, and then the other thing I would I just wanted to add is I always felt like you can learn as much from a fool as you can from a wise man you just as long as you can figure out who is who so there are a lot of people in business that will tell you they're experts and they've done all this and but when you really peel back the onion they really haven't done it at all so just be careful who you listen to. Well, and I can say with great sincerity that you figured it out because when I heard that uh, you owned a guitar store, I thought, oh, a guitar store. I know what that looks like. I didn't know what that looked like when I walked into Righteous Guitars. It really is um, a place that is so unique from everything I've seen anywhere. And the service level up to seating in the center to make you comfortable. And I mean, I, I just was completely overwhelmed by the experience. And so I would say kudos to you and your team for creating a culture that makes you want to come back, whether you're a guitar aficionado or, or not. Um, I just think that's exceptional. Thank you. And the one thing, you know, as I said at the luncheon, you know, I felt like the award was really for the team at Righteous. Sure. I just got to be the spokesperson to accept it. So Right. And I think, Stephen, you had your entire uh, team there. So I know that, that you felt the same way about Absolutely. that. It, it can't happen in a vacuum. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I know that um, you're both driven to succeed. You've you've demonstrated that, obviously, from your actions, but certainly from your comments today. Um, and I, you've also told me a little bit about where your passion comes from. But I want to know... 
I know being entrepreneurs, whether it be nonprofit or for profit, to some extent, you're creating new ideas and new things. And sometimes those work and sometimes those don't. So how do you stay driven through the many ups and downs um, through the years? What what keeps you going when maybe you have a day where, you know, the kid doesn't want to be your business, you know, work for your business or um, the guitar is is not exactly what it should be. I mean, what what are those setbacks? How do you get through that? Yes. Um, as a head of school, uh, spending almost 30 years in the education field and playing uh, all the roles from teacher, coach, administrator, uh, superintendent, et cetera, I, I feel and I focus on three areas every day for myself. And I feel as a, if I can focus on these three areas, I feel that I will help be a better head of school for all my students. Because for me, it's all about the kids, no matter where I'm at. But first of all, you know, I believe you, you, you have to be visible. Uh, visible inside the, the community and outside the community, the community of the school, your stakeholders, as Brian mentioned, uh, relationships and clients. Students are your clients. They're there for eight hours a day, five days a week. So you treat them as guests and clients and, and you address them as, as that. And it, it makes that culture and climate a, a conducive place for everyone to, to thrive and succeed. So being visible uh, for events in the school around and also in the community uh, is, is a big piece. So uh, that's one area that I try to strive and focus on every day. The other is, you know, have a vision. So as, as great schools are mission driven, sharing that vision and mission all the time, talking about, you know, where we came from. Uh, for, for example, the college school where we were in 1985 when it was founded to where we were when I got there and to where we're going to be in that college school will be in for the next 10 to 50 more years. So, uh, sharing that vision. And, uh, the last and final thing I say is believe and uh, believe connected to trust. You got to believe in the people that you work with, believe that you have the best around you, believe that they're, they're going to do, uh, the best that they can. And my job is, as Brian mentioned about his, his stuff, Mine is, uh, you know, my job is to support them to do their job the best they can and not micromanaging. So building those relationships through trust that you've got the best and they're going to do the best for your clients, which are my students. So that's a, a little bit about how I, I keep myself moving forward. Thank you. And I think those three things are things all of us should focus on with our teams and go back to the culture discussion. What about you, Brian? What do you think? How do you get through some of those days? Well, I guess I, I, I would have to go back. Um, I grew up as a with a single mom, and um, things weren't always the easiest. Um, you know, we lived in a mobile home sometimes. Um, I remember knocking the door, knock someone knocking on the door, and they let us know they were taking our car. And some of those things that you don't ever want anybody that you love or care about to have to go through. So part of that, part of my motivation was I don't, I don't ever want that to happen to me. So I, um, I always worked very hard. Uh, I don't think you'll have anybody say they outworked me. But um, I'll go back to one of my principles that I want to build everything to last. In the n- 90s and 2000s, everybody wanted to build a company to sell. And I never want to build anything to sell. I want to build it to last um, because if you do, um, there'll always be people that want to come and buy it. But I remember um, calling on 3M when we were in the anti-counterfeiting business, and in their lobby, they've got the original stock ledger. And we also dealt with Crane & Company that was a 200-year-old company, and I just thought, how cool would it be to have a company that you know, lasted four, five, six generations? And um, 
so even now at the guitar store, my son works there, and you know I can see a path for he and Ben to continue making this, you know, the most unbelievable, continue making it the most unbelievable store in the country. Um, and the same thing happened to us at uh, Nanoventions. We we wanted to build that to last forever, and then we just were approached by companies, and we just couldn't pass up selling it. So um, at that point, things changed for me. I, I, I didn't really <laughs> stress out quite as much as I had in the past, but um, and it allowed us to do a lot of things. I have a foundation that we you know do a lot of good work for first responders and single moms and those types of things, but I always wanted to do businesses that were good and did good things. So I felt like anti-counterfeiting was a, a great business because we were on the good side of you know, on the right side of good. And, and I've been amazed at the music business, how therapeutic and how it brings people together. You'd be so surprised in our store, you'll have people with tattoos all over themselves talking to a guy with a tie on Mm -hmm. and they don't care about who they voted for and all that. They're building a relationship and there's a brotherhood or sisterhood or, you know, there's a, there's just a connection that music gives you that, I don't, I can't think of really anything else quite like it. So from that perspective, you know, music's um, pretty amazing. I, uh, I can't think of a show where I've, I've said this, but y'all are just great men and great human beings. And I am absolutely privileged to have you on this radio show, but also to know you and to have you in the North Fulton community as a chamber president, you hope that everyone has the same attitude that you all have both espoused. But I think more importantly to, um, to be able to put it so succinctly into words and to share that with others. I mean, that's, that's what we all want is a great company, a great organization that then in turn um, is able to give back. Um, and so I appreciate everything that you've done for our community. Um, and unfortunately we're out of time, which is hard to believe because I feel like we just started and I could go on forever. I want to say thank you to both of my guests, um, Brian and Steve. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for, as I said, all you've done in our community for the chamber and certainly for both of your respective organizations. I can't think of better people to run either of them. So thank you very much. I also want to thank all of our listeners for joining us on the GNFCC 400 Insider presented by the Greater North Fulton Chamber. To listen to this show again or to hear any of our previous episodes, please visit GNFCC400insider.com. And to find out more about the Greater North Fulton Chamber events and programs, you can always visit GNFCC.com. Until next time, I'm Callie Boatwright, and this has been the GNFCC 400 Insider on Business Radio X.